if we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed. And hour number two is now underway. It is nine minutes after the hour of 10 o'clock on this Thursday, the third morning of the 12th month of the year of our Lord 2020. We've been heavy today, haven't we? Slamming what's going on in Georgia, slamming Republicans, telling Republicans not to vote for the Senate candidates because they didn't support Donald Trump enough. Uh, an unbelievable turn of events going on in Georgia. And then, of course, here in Ohio, great stuff from Representative John Becker, who is moving to impeach Mike DeWine for his dictatorial orders and his refusal to consult uh, the other branches of the government. Now, I want to pivot to the bigger picture, and let's talk about this on a national scale, not statewide. America is in a very, um, well, we'll call it a crisis right now, and it's a crisis of... Not necessarily conscience, but self-identity. What kind of a country are we going to be? There was a terrific article written in the Washington Times uh, by our next guest, whom you probably recognize from his regular Thursday visits on this program. America does not need the pallid milk toast of Biden and complicit rhinos. President Donald Trump won't be replaced by a wet blanket. What do we need in this country, and where will we find it to truly find our identity? And the answer to that, according to our guest, is Christianity. Dr. Everett Piper, if you haven't figured it out now, joins us once again. Dr. Piper is a uh, podcast radio host at uh, in uh, his native Oklahoma. He's a best-selling author. He is a columnist at the aforementioned Washington Times. And he joins us now on AM 1420, The Answer. Good morning, doctor. How are you? I'm doing great, Bob. Thanks for having me on. Always a pleasure to talk with you. Terrific article in which you cite some other people's work as well about what uh, this country needs and what we are going to declare ourselves to be in the post-Donald Trump America. If indeed his long shot, and it is a long shot as much as I support it, I recognize it's a long shot to try to overturn all of the uh, uh, mechanisms that are that are holding him back from being uh, getting a second term as president. In a post-Donald Trump world, we have to decide what we are and what we're going to be. And that's what you kind of wrote about. And when you talked about the embracing of Christianity, can you tell us more? Yeah, as you know, I play off of a tweet that was put out, put out by Patrick <clears throat> Ruffini, who is a GOP mm-hmm. pollster, a conservative pollster. And his tweet said that we do not need a milk toast leader. Milk toast leadership will not replace Donald Trump. 
Donald Trump will be replaced by those people who know how to fight like Trump has, but perhaps even fight smarter. So in other words, Rafini is reminding us that the reason Donald Trump has been so popular, the reason he succeeded, the reason he had 75 million or however many, just shy of 80 million people vote for him, is because Donald Trump is a Churchillian fighter. He was not an appeaser. He was willing to stand in the face of the enemy, regardless of what that enemy was, social, domestic, international, economic. He stood in the face of those despots who want to impede our freedom, and he said no. Ruffini's argument is we don't need milk toast. We need strong, smart leadership. And I agree 100%. And the interesting thing is, as you know in the article, there are atheists out there who are saying the exact same thing about Christianity. You have Tom Holland, who has written a book, and he's an atheist, a historian. He has written a book extolling the virtues of what? Christianity. You have Matthew Paris, who's an atheist, who writes for the London Times, and he's extolled the, vir- extolled the virtues of what? Christianity. In fact, Matthew Paris, I'll focus on him right now. He said in 2008 that the only thing, the only thing that would rescue Africa as a continent from the machete, from the genocide of Rwanda, etc., etc., was Christian evangelism, because it changes the heart, it changes the soul, it is a virtuous worldview. You have atheists like Douglas Murray saying that Christianity is the only salvation for America because it's the only worldview that gives us human freedom and liberty. So the point of my article is we need a leader that's willing to fight smarter and step into the secular morass and say the obvious. The solution to this mess we find ourselves in today, this loss of individual freedom, this loss of academic liberty, this loss of being free to go to the grocery store and go to church, the only solution is Christianity. It's that kind of leader with that kind of courage that will replace Donald Trump. Dr. Piper, do you believe that Donald Trump, uh, during his time as president, advocated strongly enough on behalf of faith, and in particular Christianity, or at least Judeo-Christian values. Um, because some would argue that while he did the right things in terms of being pro-life, and they did, he did argue and, and, and establish policy, or at least make statements that, that uh, Christians and people who are uh, believers in the sanctity of life would support, was he enough of a, not to say he should proselytize every time he took a microphone, but was he supportive enough of Christianity um, to kind of make the case that you're talking about we need somebody to replace him must do? Well, it's interesting. I probably said, told this story before on your show, but I had the privilege of meeting Donald Trump once. I was called to a meeting during the 2016 campaign of a small group of about 30 conservative Catholic and evangelical what they termed thought leaders. That was their term, not mine. So I was in the room, and I was given the opportunity. I was one of five people chosen to actually address Donald Trump when he came into the boardroom in Trump Towers. So you had 30, 35 Catholics and evangelicals around the table, Donald Trump, and I didn't even know I was going to be there 24 hours earlier. And then 24 seconds earlier, I didn't know I was supposed to say anything. And then all of a sudden they asked me to comment because of my, <laughs> my constant rants and diatribes on intellectual freedom. And I basically said, Mr. Trump, should you become president of the United States, I have one request of you. Leave me alone. (laughs) Leave me alone. Let me be Christian. Let me exercise my First Amendment rights. Let the church win. Let Christianity compete in the market square of ideas. Don't 
send me government edicts telling me what to say, what I need to uh, affirm, and what I need to uh, askew. Don't tell me what to do. Leave me alone. And in that context, I think Donald Trump did exactly what I asked him to do. He left the church alone. He, and I'm okay with that. Let the church be. It will win. The truth will win. Just leave us alone. So did he do enough? I don't know that he did proactive stuff on behalf of the church as much as he just left us alone. And that's all I ask of Biden or anybody else. Let the church compete. Yeah, and then that's exactly what, you know, the, the framers wanted for us, you know, it, it's the, the, the freedom to practice our religion as we see fit. Uh, not to establish it, not to push it, but to give us the opportunity. So that's very well said. He left you alone. Dr. Piper, I'm going to use that as a break here because the two areas of expertise that I really associate most with you are matters of faith and how they impact American society or world society and also matters of education. You, of course, are a former university president and I want to talk about the state of education you recently retweeted uh something from the uh education secretary betsy devos in in which you talk about or she talks about um free college which is being advocated for by the far left being the beginning of the socialist takeover of america you retweeted that with very true lose our schools lose our kids lose our kids lose our nation the left has known this for decades when will conservatives wake up and lead I want you to get give us a little bit more insight on that when we come right back on AM 1420, The Answer. Okay, 1022, now the Bob France Authority continues with Dr. Everett Piper. I want to pivot over to the educational world now. Dr. Piper is a former university president, and that's really how he kind of, kind of came to national prominence with a, a letter he wrote to his students uh, advising them that uh, the college uh, is not a daycare center. And if they're looking for places to feel safe and to uh, not melt like snowflakes, they're in the wrong place. Colleges are in jeopardy. However, Education Secretary Betsy DeVos said this on Twitter, yes, I beg your pardon, on Tuesday, quote, higher ed policy should never entice students into greater debt, nor should they put taxpayer dollars at greater risk. There are too many politicians today who support policy that does both. Ultimately, nothing is free. Somebody somewhere pays the bill. She went on to say that the, uh, indoctrination centers that colleges have become and providing that indoctrination for free is part of the socialist takeover of America, something that, Dr. Piper, you agreed with and said the left has known this. This is how you win the future is you win the kids today. Um, and when are conservatives going to be able to step up and combat that and step up and lead? What's the answer to your own question there, Doctor? Well, it kind of ties into the first half of the show. Uh, let the church be. When That was my answer to your question on whether or not Donald Trump had done his job with regard to the church, and I think in the sense that he let the church be. He left us alone, because what's my argument there? My argument is the truth, the truth will win. If you just don't try to silence the truth, and that's what the church stands for, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. So politics shouldn't be the judge of the debate principle should be the judge of the debate, and principle is grounded in truth. Bessie DeVos is absolutely right, and I disagree with her in a lot. She's not as conservative as I think she needs to be, but on this particular issue, she's spot on. When you have a culture that continues to consume carcinogens, that culture is going to be rife with cancer. 
Well, we've been feeding one generation after another ideological carcinogens through our schools. Hmm. We've taught them that socialism is good and capitalism is bad. We've taught them that a woman is not a biological fact, but a construct of a dysphoric male. We've taught them that personal culpability, responsibility, and personal morality are social constructs rather than objective realities. We've taught them that two plus two is five, not four. And why in the world do we think our culture isn't going to suffer this cancer of mind that we currently suffer from? The only way to cure cancer is through chemotherapy or surgery. You don't cure cancer by putting Band-Aids on it and giving everybody free education so that they can go out and consume more ideological cancer is a Band-Aid at best. You're going to continue to die of the disease because we're not going back and excising the very tumor that exists within the higher within higher education and frankly secondary and elementary education the cancer is bad ideas a broken model of the left and they've known this they've inculcated this garbage into our school system since john dewey they knew that if they could change the mindset of our children they would change the direction of our country and our culture and we would be doomed to socialism and that's exactly where we find ourselves right now my land they can't even tell you that a female is a fact, but yet they continue to claim to be feminist. This is asinine. And then when anybody raises their hand and says, excuse me, I disagree, they now try to censor you and silence you rather than debate with you. This yeah, is the, not good education. They cancel you. That's that's what they do. So, so we're presented with a conundrum here, Dr. Piper, because I, I'm not anti-college, and I know you're not either. You are a university president. Uh, and I want to focus on the college now, even though you correctly pointed out that even in elementary and, and junior high and high schools, we're dealing with the same thing. But focusing on the college, I'm not anti-college. I want people to go to college, and I want college to be affordable. So we have this conundrum here. While I do want people to be able to afford to go to college if that is their life path, I want them to, A, be able to afford it, and B, I want them to be able to study independently without being indoctrinated. I don't want... Uh, student loan forgiveness. I don't want all of these um, enticements to send kids to college to do what Betsy DeVos warned and you just warned about, which is to uh, indoctrinate them with socialist tendencies and all of these, you know, the social constructs of femininity and so on and so forth. So that's a conundrum. I do want people to be able to go to college. I want it to be affordable, but I don't want them to go there if what they're going to become on the, you know, on the way out, on the exit of college is, is a socialist. So what do we do? Well, here, here's the thing. Courage. Courage, not capitulation. Remember that Winston Churchill, after he became prime minister, the first time he walked in to the parliament, they refused to give him a standing ovation. At the same time, they stood and gave a round of applause to Chamberlain. So Churchill was not popular. In fact, he was despised by the parliament. The world was saved by Churchill's courage. We'd be speaking German right now if it weren't for Churchill. At least we could make that argument. So courage, courage. It sounds simplistic, and people say, oh, that's not the answer. Yes, it is. If we would stand up in mass and say, no, no, this educational system is broken. No, I'm a true feminist. I'm going to guard the dignity of the woman. No, I want to have a debate about climate change and global warming. I don't want to accept AOC's propaganda. No, I'm not going to accept the government definition of what the compromise of human freedom is. I'm going to go back to the Constitution and defend it. If we would step up and do what I said in the first episode, the first segment, and that is 
fight smarter. Fight. The key word there is fight. Fight smarter and not just lay down and die and capitulate because somebody is relentless in their offense of truth. The solution here is fight for the truth. And frankly, I'm going to close with this, Bob. I'm at the point. I'm at the point where I'm telling people, don't send your kids to college. Send them to a trade school and then send them off to an academy such as Worldview Academy or Summit Ministries or the Oxford Center for Christian Apologetics to learn their philosophy and learn their worldview and get grounded in their faith. Better to do that than to send them off to these propaganda mills, which is going to tear their heart, mind, and soul out from day one and celebrate doing so. That's very well said. And, uh, you know, like I said, trade school is great for a lot of people. I still think higher education in terms of four-year universities can be very valuable if they're the right universities, and I know you do too. Uh, and I don't want to deny anybody that. Having said that, let's go to just the financial issue now uh, about the student loan uh, uh, debt forgiveness. I paid off my student loans. took me a long time to do it. I feel very, very angry at anybody in government suggesting that I now pay off, uh, you know, my neighbor's kid's student loans for their degree in gender studies or or women's studies or whatever you know ridiculous major they choose that's not going to help them become employed so they can pay off their own student loans where do you stand on the idea of forgiving student loan debt it's incredibly stupid i stand with you i grew i grew up in a blue collar family my mom and dad didn't even have a high school diploma i went to college i paid for my college i i ate cornflakes and water I'm serious, during the summer, because I couldn't afford to buy anything else until my next paycheck came in, as I was living on my own going through college. Woe is me. Piper's telling stories about going to school barefoot in the snow, uphill both ways. <laughs> That's the first thing I thought of. <laughs> but bull, bull crap. That is not true. You paid your way. I paid my way. You pulled yourself up. I pulled myself up, and I'm not going to pay for somebody else. And the day the nation falls into that trap is the day we've lost our minds. I think I would eat my cornflakes dry uh, before I would do that. And maybe drink water after, but I'm not going <laughs> to pour water on my cornflakes. We can talk about that story another show. That's that's a good one right there. And the first thing I thought of is I was waiting for the uh, uphill both ways in the snow and bare feet uh, line, uh, but, it was, uh, but I know you're telling the <laughs> truth here. Dr. Piper, thank you for uh, all of your wonderful analysis. Appreciate it. We'll talk to you again soon. Blessings. Take care. Thank you, Dr. Dr. Everett Piper joining us. It's 1030. Time for news. On the flip side, you're going to get an earful from Kurt Schlichter, senior columnist at townhall.com, who's got some words for Lynn Wood, for Sidney Powell, and for anybody trying to hand the Senate to the Democrats by way of sabotaging Georgia. That's coming up next. now on AM fourteen twenty. the answer. I started the show with this. I'm very, very, very passionate about it, and I want to continue the conversation now. This is what Senator John Kennedy says about the Georgia runoff elections. Once you have the IQ of a root vegetable, you know how important this election is. It is a second presidential election he is right it is that important it's as important as the presidential election was now president trump had that presidential election stolen from him but roger stone one of his longtime confidants says that's not a reason for us to sacrifice the senate i'm supporting kelly leffler and senator david perdue as the best candidates for the u.s senate in georgia and think it is vital to preserve 
our Senate majority. The idea of Joe Biden heisting the presidency and then pursuing an ultra-left agenda unchecked by Republican control of either House of the Congress is a nightmare. It is beyond a nightmare, Mayor. It would be the end of the republic. Another guy who feels this way is on the line with us now. Kurt Schlichter, our friend from Town Hall. He's a senior columnist at townhall.com. He is also a Los Angeles trial attorney. He is a retired uh, U.S. Army colonel as well. Colonel Schlichter, how are you, good sir? I am so tired of stupid people, Bob, that I can't pretend uh, to have patience with people whose plan is, Step one, I'm going to show the Republicans what for because I'm frustrated. Step two, question mark. Step three, I allow the Democrats to take over the Senate. It is um, it is incomprehensible to me uh, that anybody who supports President Trump would go against President Trump on this issue. And yet, that's what they are doing. And I'm well, starting to Kurt- many of them. Well, but there some of them are extraordinarily prominent, including the attorneys who say they are fighting on his behalf, even though they don't represent him. And I'm talking well, about Linwood, and I'm talking about Sidney Powell, both of whom continue to make statements that say, tell Georgia Republicans, if they don't change everything, you're going to sit this thing out. That's in direct defiance of President Trump, who's going to Georgia on Saturday to rally for Purdue and Leffler, Kurt. Yeah, uh, luckily the media is blacking out all this stuff, so normal people aren't seeing too much of it. And I, I, I think there's been a uh, uh, a good backlash against this idiocy uh, among conservatives. Though I think there are some people out there who are frustrated and allow their uh, frustrations uh, to make them do stupid things. And I, you know, I, I've been. Uh, uh, on social media for the last uh, 24 to 48 hours, pointing this out to people. So you should be so mean. Now, sometimes you need to pour a bucket of cold water on somebody's head because they're being stupid. And I'm not going to tolerate it. And I'm not going to pretend it's not stupid. There's, um, there's an unholy alliance here, Kurt, between actually four entities. Uh, number one is just straight-up Democrats in Georgia. Number two are Democrats outside Georgia who are coming into Georgia to support War, uh, Warnock and uh, and uh, Ossoff. Number three are Democrats who are coming to Georgia pretending to be Republicans, spending a bunch of money to erect billboards, telling them, let's show that loser Biden that we won't put up with this, uh, right in Trump's name. They want people to, they're, telling, they're pretending to be Republicans and telling Republican voters there to write in Trump instead of voting for Purdue or Leffler, because we need Trump in D.C. to check uh, that loser Biden. And the number four is the Never Trumpers. And I know you wrote about them, but this is this is so extraordinary, Kurt. The Never Trumpers, the Lincoln Project, who were supposedly, supposedly pro-Republican but not pro-Trump, are willing to sacrifice the Senate to the Democrats, all as payback to the senators who actually once supported Trump. That's a hell of a lot to go against to win this thing, Kurt. Well, you know the you know the the, the Lincoln Project guys, uh, you know, occasionally uh, uh, try and perform for the people handing them tons of money. Luckily, the, you know, with the Lincoln Project, it's like flushing money down the toilet because it all goes into their pockets, apparently. Um, and I don't think many people listen to them. I I, I think this is uh, annoying right now, and I think it's going to fade over the next couple months. Uh, well, the next month. Because I was going to say, yeah, the election's January 5th. <laughs> I was like, yeah, the next few months. <laughs> Everybody vote on February 2nd. 
Uh, I think this is slightly a hiccup. First of all, the election challenges are going to end within a couple, within a week or two. Uh, and, you know, I, I worked for the president in uh, Nevada for a few days before I came down with COVID. And um, uh, as I've been saying, this is a, a, a uphill, uphill, uphill fight because you have to have multiple judges who uh, essentially decide that they will take it upon themselves to pick uh, the winner of the election. And then you have to have courts of appeal and maybe the Supreme Court uphold that. So uphill fight. So my feeling is whether you believe, as I do, that irregularities probably affected the election uh, or not, uh, I, I think this is probably going to be resolved in the next couple weeks. So that that's going to kind of take some of the, 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 the pressure off. Uh, but the, this whole don't vote in Georgia thing, unless the Republicans, as if there's like one group of Republicans, if it's not like the, you know, the Fulton County Republicans and the Georgia Republicans, and then the national Republicans are all like connected. So that if you apply pressure to the Seattle Republicans, they'll feel it in Georgia. I mean, that's just stupid. Well, I think I think what I'm hearing from them, what I'm hearing from the uh, the the idiots, quite frankly, is that they want four people to do more and speak out. They want Kemp, the governor. They want Raffensperger, the secretary of state, and they want the two candidates, Purdue and Leffler, to be pounding the desk every day and screaming, "Donald Trump won! Donald Trump won! We got to fight for Donald Trump to get this overturned!" and blah blah blah. Rather than dealing with what they can't, because they can't control that. The only thing they can control is the Georgia election in this runoff, and they want it to. We want it to be run fairly, and we want it to be run, you know, accurately. And if it is, the two Georgia Republicans will keep their Senate seats. But what they're saying is, if less those four people, including the two candidates themselves, go off the rails for for Trump's, uh, you know, uh, election challenge, that we should punish them by not voting for them and giving the the Senate to the Democrats. That's what I don't get. Well, what what exactly are see? We're looking at it reasonably, and the people who are uh, pushing this are emotion-driven. What do you physically want David Perdue to do? Stop campaigning, come out and say, I think Trump won. Okay, let's say he does that. We're exactly the same place we were, except he's missed a day of campaigning. I mean, it's just Well, it's just I, I, think, I think what they're also I, saying, though, Kurt, and I get this. They're saying do something to change the way Georgia votes in this runoff what, what, because if it's what, what the same exactly way as it was when Georgia voted for the president, then then we're, it's going to be it's going to be stolen again. Oh, I think oh, that's what I, they want. I, he can't do that. I, I well, look. I, I I think Kemp and Raffensperger, or however you pronounce his name, uh, should have been doing a lot of things. They should be doing a lot of things. They're not on the ballot. David Perdue and Kelly Loeffler are United States senators. Their ability to impact what happens in the state of Georgia in a state uh, proceeding, a state election, is precisely zero. Should they call up and yell at Kemp? Is that going to make him do something? So it, he, here's the thing. And, of course, the, let, let's say they both decide to take three days off to do nothing but demand Kemp and Raffensperger do something. And then if Kemp and Raffensperger don't do something, and then there's a new goalpost. So it's, it, it, That's it, right. it, it, is, yeah, it ranges from irrational to lacking in good faith. And it's stupid. 
look, I'm a military guy. I, I have to look at things objectively. I'm also a lawyer. I have to look at things objectively. The world can't be as I want it to be. The world is as it is, and I've got to fight that battle. So I have a lot of impatience when people are like, well, the Republicans are terrible. Okay, yeah. What next? What, what, okay, what, 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 what do you do next? Well, I think the only thing to do is give Chuck Schumer complete control. Does that make any any remote sense? And my favorite part, Bob, nope, is nope. when I'm told that I'm I'm I, I'm soft on the squishes. Kurt Schlichter's way too soft on the squishy Republicans. A part of the establishment, I'm a shill. I've I've never heard anybody say that about you. Yes, I I, I get that occasionally on social media from you know the guy with uh, you know 21 followers, uh, you know. Mega guy. No, they, 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 they don't matter. You, you, you wield one of the heaviest hammers that I have, uh, that I have seen on this stuff. So I'm, I'm perfectly comfortable saying that. We're talking to Kurt Schlichter, <laughs> senior columnist at townhall.com. Kurt, as an attorney, have you ever had occasion to meet or come across, uh, Linwood? Uh, no, I haven't, but I've talked to and interviewed Sydney Powell, and I've got a lot of respect for her work with Mike Flynn. Um, I, I do too for, for, for that regard, but I want to focus on Wood for a moment here because he's the one who for literally three weeks has been telling Georgians to tell, um, Leffler and Purdue that they, and Kemp that they will sit out the election if they don't do what he wants them to do. Now, the reason I, I bring this up is because of what I read last night on Breitbart. They did a deep dig into Lynn Wood. Lynn Wood is not what he appears to be according to his own voting and donation records. He has for decades voted for Democrats. He has for decades donated big bucks, over $40,000 to Democrats, including A, Barack Obama, and B, just six years ago, David Perdue's Senate opponent, the Democrat. So this is a guy who, who puts on a red hat and claims to be fighting for Trump, but who is now pushing to, to uh, have Georgians hand the Senate to the Democrats, making us question, or at least making me question, Kurt, if he's just not a Democrat plant wearing a red hat. Well, there's certainly more evidence of a conspiracy uh, by Lynn Wood to throw the election than there is of, you know, CIA raids in Stuttgart. Um, <laughs> the, the, the idea that a major plaintiff's lawyer is a Democrat is like the least surprising possible thing. It's like uh, encountering Anna Navarro at a Golden Corral. You're just not surprised to hear it. <laughs> Um, what do you make of it, though? What do you make of it, and what do you think his goal and intentions uh, look, I, are? And I since he and, he, he, he and, he and, he and um, Powell are, are kind of joined in this effort here, and I know you respect Sidney Powell, what do you make of that? I, look, I, I think there are lots of former Democrats who uh, probably uh, uh, support Trump, and he has, uh, he has definitely been uh, uh, populist curious in other things, including Kyle Rittenhouse and the Covington kids. Mm -hmm. So the idea that he, you know, Chuck Schumer's calling up, Lynn, I need you to pull a scam is probably not true. On the other hand, um, what would he be doing differently if he was working hand-in-hand with Schumer? I mean, what, what, what exactly would he be doing differently? Nothing. Nothing. Yeah, I, mean, I, I don't think it's a conspiracy. I think it is just massively misguided. And um, I would have no part of it and will have no part of it. I think it's, uh, um, and I, I think some of his, uh, uh, it's, just, it, it's just dumb, and I wish he would stop it. He's not going to. 
Remember, America is now divided into niches. Uh, you can be uh, you can be the biggest fish in a very small pond of four percent of people and do very well, as opposed to appealing to like the ninety six percent. Um, if this uh, if this helps us put it into some context, Josh Dossie of the Washington Post, yes, the Washington Post, tweeted this: Sidney Powell and Lynn Wood may be in kind contributions for the Democrats in Georgia, and I think he's right. Uh, yeah, I'm, I, I, I'm concerned about it. I'm wondering how much effect there is because I think every day, um, I think they shed adherence to kind of the more extreme stuff. Look, I, I, like I said, I, I, I think there were irregularities that probably affected the outcome of the election. And That's I think most of them are very boring things. Uh, how were how the settings for verifying, uh, uh, for optical scanners, verifying signatures on uh, absentee ballots? Uh, maybe maybe there were a few ballots in the, uh, somebody, the back of somebody's Camry. Uh, but I think a lot of it was esoteric and boring. Uh, and, and not exciting stuff, not giant conspiracy stuff. Um, but, and, and again, like I said, I, I, I think there were problems that affected the election, and there are facial problems where you have, you know, all these cities where the thing's going to be determined suddenly stop counting at the same time, then start counting again at the same time, and they all have big numbers for Biden. I, I'd like to learn more. Kurt, but, uh, I want to give you the last. I want to give you the last two minutes of our interview here to um, wield that heavy hammer I was talking about at the Never Trumpers. I, I kind of included <laughs> them in what I described. Um, they are the Lincoln Project is openly backing Ossoff and Warnock in Georgia um, in order to punish all of the Republican senators who supported Donald Trump. Um, these are the Never Trumpers, and I'm looking at your headline. I didn't read the whole article. <laughs> Delusional Never Trump losers think we're going to take them back. What do you mean? Yeah, I, uh, I think, you know, like I said, I think probably uh, Biden's going to get sworn in. And I think that there are a bunch of uh, Never Trump folks who imagine that somehow they're going to uh, uh, retake power and uh, influence in the Republican Party. I think there are three kinds. There's the outright traitors. That's the bulwark, dispatch, never uh, Lincoln Project type. So they're just gone. No one's ever going to take another cruise with Bill Crystal. All right? It just didn't happen. No one cares what David French has to say. Then you've got kind of the sissies, the weak hearts, like Mitt Romney, you know, and he kind of thinks, ah, oh, you know, I mean, you know, now, now they're going to come crawling to me. No, no, they're not Senator Miracle Whip. And then you've got kind of the never-Trump curious types. They range from Jeb, exclamation point, to the, the kind of establishment types like Nikki Haley. If you watch her tweets, which I do because they're hilarious, they're the most anodyne, maudlin, kind of let's all build bridges together. As I point out, you know who else built bridges? Alec Guinness in Bridge Over River Kwai. Look how that worked out. Okay, understand you're in a fight, and and I I think the establishment will try and foist a Nikki Haley on us, who will be this kind of soft reach across the aisle, let's all love each other, uh, uh, kind of candidate. And I think she's going to get destroyed in the election. I have primary. I think I, I, we just we're just not going to have it. You we need a candidate who, like Donald Trump, understands that we assuming Donald Trump doesn't run again, which I think he probably will. I think he's going to Grover Cleveland. But 
We need candidates who understand that we're in an existential fight and that the Democrats are not our friends and that the idea is not to come to a wonderful agreement where we can all be pals, but to defeat them. That's what we need to do. We need to win. And you don't win by handing the Senate to Chuck Schumer. Thank you. Thank you. You don't win. You don't survive, quite frankly, if you hand the Senate to Chuck Schumer. Every single socialist dream any of these uh, idiots have ever had is going to be in play, and it's going to come true if we don't have the firewall that is the United States Senate. And that's why I, uh, that's the reason I called you, because uh, we got to fight this. You've got a big voice nationally. You've got, of course, the platform of Town Hall, and we need to make sure every Georgia Republican gets out there and votes for these two Republican senators to save, literally, our republic. Kurt Schlichter, townhall.com. Thank you so much, my friend. Thanks for having me. You got it. 1053, final segment coming up. All right, 1057, final segment is always a short one on this program. By the way, tomorrow, um, I want to hit this real, fi- real quick before I take a call or two bef- uh, at the end of the show here. Tomorrow, Ryan Morrow of the Clarion Project is going to make his triumphant return to the program. We haven't talked to Ryan in a while. He has been very busy. I want to recommend a YouTube video to you. As much as I don't support YouTube, it's there, so I want to tell you to. It's called Covert Cash. It is an extraordinary Clarion video, Clarion Project video. It's about 29 minutes long about the extraordinary influence of foreign dollars in our higher, higher uh, educational institutions. In other words, China, Saudi Arabia, Qatar, which is the second leading uh, uh, sponsor of terror in the world after Iran, they have all donated billions of dollars to American universities for influence in American universities' curricula, meaning your kids are learning what China wants them to learn. They are being exposed to what Saudi Arabia and a bunch of other uh, very dangerous Islamists in uh, countries around the world want them to be exposed to. Ryan Moore is going to spend an entire hour with us tomorrow from 10 to 11 talking about the Covert Cash movie. Watch it so you're educated before you come on with us. Let me get Mike in Silver Lake. Mike, I apologize. i got 45 seconds for you. They're yours. Go ahead. Okay. Thank you so much, Bob. Your voice is important. Important. I love the guests that you have uh, of Clarity, uh, Jim Jordan. Kurt Schlichter was amazing. I hope he runs for president in four years if Donald Trump doesn't. But real quick, going back to Lynn Wood. Uh, so he sent out some tweets yesterday um, after this whole thing of Breitbart saying, I've donated $350,000 to this conservative super PAC and these conservatives I've donated X amount of dollars to. But he also had another tweet where he was on stage and Lynn Wood was behind him. And he was kind of like you know, like ranting back and, and moving back and forth like a TV preacher. And I was a little put off by that. But um, it's interesting. Um, Lynn Wood was standing right behind Let's him. Let's finish that thought tomorrow, my friend. I've got to go. The time is up. Join us tomorrow, 9 to 11. We'll see you then. Bye-bye.